I was looking on uh, the internet, what does the Bible teach about the Trinity? Just wondering what would come up, and here was an answer that came up. It says, the most difficult thing about the, the Christian concept of the Trinity is that there is no way to perfectly and completely understand it. Uh, <laughs> the Trinity is a concept that is impossible for any human beings to fully understand, let alone explain. Keep in mind when studying the subject that the word Trinity is not found in the Scripture. And that's a true statement. There, this, this is a term that is used to attempt to describe uh, God. God is infinitely greater than we are, therefore we should not expect to be able to fully understand Him. And you hear that a lot as far as any type of explanation of the Trinity. We, we, you know, God is difficult to understand. We can't quite understand everything about God. This is a, um, a little triangle representing the Trinity. And basically the concept is that there is one God, three different distinctions, you know. Sort of, uh, that's sort of how they explain it. It's not that there are three different gods. It's not, it's uh, one God, three distinctions, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So if I wanted to understand God, if you wanted to understand God, if a person out in the world wanted to understand God, where would you go? Would you, would you go to an explanation of the Trinity? Well, absolutely not. In fact, I've always joked with this, the Athanasian Creed, which is supposed to be an explanation of who God is, or the Trinity, but just bits and pieces here. It says, and the Catholic faith is this, and that sort of gives you a clue as to where did this concept come from, the Trinity, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, uh, uh, neither confounding the person nor dividing the substance. That makes sense. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Spirit. Now just picture yourself trying to understand God, and you're reading this, and you're trying to, to know, what God, know who God is. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal, such as the Father is, such as the Son is, and such as the Holy Spirit. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. As also there are not three uncreated, nor three incomprehensible, but one uncreated and one uh, incomprehensible. Uh, so likewise the Father is almighty, the Son almighty, and the Holy Spirit almighty. And yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God, and the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son, Lord, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, and yet there are not three Lords, but one Lord. Now, I'm sure you got that, didn't you? It made perfect <laughs> sense. <laughs> now, so we're asking, okay, how could I come to know God, to understand God? Someone said the Western mind explains everything and understands nothing. And that is true when it comes to a lot of explanations about God. The Western mind uh, explains everything and understands nothing. Prime example of that, what we just read with the Athanasian Creed. You know, the problem is when you get in, you know, when you try to explain God, you know, you, you want, okay, why do we need to explain God? How do you really know God? So how can we know God? And the Bible gives us the answer as to how we can know God. And it's right here. Romans 1 and verse 20. Now, let me, let me back up. I missed something on my notes here. I knew I'd do this. But um, let's pretend that you're God and you have a problem. And the problem is this. How will I reveal myself to mankind? 
how can I teach mankind about me? All right? The answer is right here. Romans 1 verse 20. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And it is the invisible things that people, you know, well, God's invisible. I can't, I can't see God. I can't touch God. I can't feel God. All right? This, that's the problem that people have. Okay, this tells us, for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. So you look to, what, what has God made? What has God made? Yeah, yeah, creation, uh, mankind. And we're going to touch on a few things here that's important to know. I'm going to have to, from God's perspective, he says this, I'm going to have to communicate with man on his level. So I'm going to reveal myself to mankind by the things that I've made. Now, you think about some of the things that God has made. Wind, water, fire, which often the Holy Spirit is described, the power of the Holy Spirit is described by those elements, you know, earthquakes, I think of Elijah, you know, a Russian mighty wind, an earthquake, a fire, all kinds of different things came about. But the power of God is, is, is illustrated by the things that God has made. Uh, you ever been caught in a tornado? You know, I saw uh, on Facebook, I saw it's a woman, she's standing there and it's just her whole, everything's demolished in her house. But then this woman was standing there and just total destruction all around her. And she's thanking God that she's alive. And, and, and she said, but I, I don't know where my little dog's at. And all of a sudden you hear this little dog and he comes out from the rubble and she is so happy that she's got her little dog. <laughs> water, you think of water. When water is moved, a raging river, flood zone, you know, you can think of the power of that. Fire is another powerful thing, you know. And especially you put, you put some of them together like wind, you know, and, and fire. I mean, there's nothing, that's a power you can't do anything about and it's out of control. It's just going to consume whatever's there. Now, in Acts um, 1 and verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power. Now, let's talk about what the Holy Spirit is. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and, and to the other part, most part of the earth. So, to me, if there's an explanation of what is the Holy Spirit, how do we understand the Holy Spirit, that's a good explanation of it. It is the power, power of God that you can receive at baptism, that communicates with you. It is a power. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is a power of God that you can receive. Now, again, we come back to, okay, God has a problem. How will I reveal myself to mankind? By the things that are made. Now, there's something critical to understand about uh, God as far as understanding God. You're not going to know God through the Trinity, the way you know God is this. God is a family, and God is creating a family. God is a family, and God is creating a family. Now, why would I say God is a family? Well, in Genesis 1 and verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Now, obviously, God is not speaking to himself. There's two beings there, father and son. And they're saying, Let us, the two of us, create man in our image. And, you know, the term father and son, that is, that is, that's a family term. That's a family term when you say, you know, father and son. So God, we're, we're talking about God as a family consisting of two members, father and son. 
1 John 4 and verse 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So those same two members that said, let us create man in our image, in our likeness, also made a decision, you know, one of them was going to give his life for the sins, for our sins. Which is, you know, incredible, you know, at what point was that decision made? We don't know. But it was a decision that they made together. Two members of the God family. John 8 and verse 29. And he that sent me, Jesus is speaking, he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Jesus, the Son, is obedient to the Father. Now, I mentioned that God is creating a family. I want to touch on that a little bit more because there's a lot of parallels here to, to our physical lives, what God is doing. Uh, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image God of God, he created him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Again, we have the concept, I'm going to reveal myself to mankind by the things that are made. Now just consider some of the things that are, consider the animal kingdom. What do you have? Well, you have male and female. And they have, you know, they have their children, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, kind reproduces kind. You know, trees reproduce trees. Pigs, well, let's not talk about pigs. Uh, <laughs> cats, talk, you know, reproduce cats. You know, male and female, they have kittens. You know, this, you look at that and you think, okay, family. Family is big to God. Family is everything to God. Men and women, you know, coming together in marriage, in love, having children. It's all about family. And so if you want to know God, you do it by looking at what he has made. And what he has made is the family system. Uh, if you want to know God, you don't, you don't try to go and look at the Trinity. And, and we've already seen an example of that, the Athanasian Creed, which really didn't make a lot of sense. I'm going to reveal myself to mankind by the things that are made. Family of deer. You ever seen a family of deer? You know, they're, they're, you know, it's precious. Some animals mate for life. That's fascinating. A family of turkeys, you see them wandering around, you know. Uh, so the term that God has chosen to reveal himself is found in one word. Family. God is a family and he is creating a family. Luke 20 and verse 36. The... Uh, not the Pharisees, but the Sadducees that asked Jesus about the resurrection. And sort of breaking into the middle of thought here, he, he, Jesus says, neither can they die anymore. Now, this is what is ahead of us. Okay. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels and are children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now, there, what did he mean when he said they're going to be children of God? Again, a family term. They're going to be children of God. They're going to, I like this one, neither can they die anymore. That's a positive. Thumbs up or whatever. <laughs> neither can they die anymore. They are equal unto the angels. What does that mean? Equal to the angels. Well, angels are spirit. I, I like to fantasize what that's like, spirit. You know, I think of traveling at the speed of thought. Uh, I think of flying. I always want to fly. And I, you know, I always want to get my pilot's license. And I think, well, okay. I'm getting almost, I'm getting old, you know, when am I going to do that? And I said, well, if I don't do that, I will be flying in the kingdom all the time. <laughs> zipping here, zipping there. Uh, bullets go straight through a spirit being. You can't kill them. It's, it's a powerful concept. 
So we're talking about, we're talking about children of God. We're going to be children. That's a family term, children of God. Romans 8 and verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Man, that's powerful. We're going to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, Christ was the firstborn. Again, that's a family term. But we're going to be conformed to his image. Same body, same kind of power, same kind of, uh, to some degree, authority you're going to be given. Now consider that. You might think, okay, I can't handle authority. Well, I hope you can. I hope you can. Look at this. Revelation 2 and verse 26. And he that overcometh and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. You know, the more evil and sinful we become as a nation, the more you realize why this is going to be necessary. There's some people you just, you're just not going to be able to tell them this is the right thing to do. It's going to take a two before across the head, you know, whatever. Rod of iron. So, again, same kind of body, spirit body, power, authority. Question, what evil would you like to stop in the world right now? You know, it's all kinds of things you think about. Man, I would like, if I had the power, I would like to stop some of this rot and filth that I see. You know, authority to do that, a beautiful thing. First John 3 and verse 2, Behold, now we are the sons of God. Now, we are referred to as sons of God right now. And yet it does not appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, resurrection, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In order to see God, you've got to be changed. You can't see God the way you are now in the flesh. So again, uh, notice that. Sons of God. Family. Children, children of God. Sons. Daughters of God. Family. If you want to understand God, you have to focus on that word family. We shall be like him. God is a family. There's two members in that family right now. Father and son. God is in the process of creating a much larger family, sons and daughters of God. All of this is possible through the power of God's Spirit. You could say that the Spirit is like a seed, you know, well, it's like a seed, is it not? Look at this verse here. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, I think you understand that verse. A lot of people don't, especially if you think you've been born again right now. But most people, when they talk about born again or born of God, they're talking about a conversion type of an experience. But the literal being born of God comes at the resurrection. At that point, it will be impossible to sin. It says he cannot sin because, what's the reason? He's born of God into the family of God. But notice that. His seed remains in him. What is that seed? It's what you received at baptism, the Holy Spirit of God. God's Spirit united with your spirit. And, of course, that new creature in Christ is, is developing on a daily basis. <clears throat> Again, family. All right, you cannot understand God by looking at him as a trinity because it just leads to confusion. And who is the author of confusion? We know who the author of confusion is. And when I think about that, you know, that, Okay, what does the Bible teach about the Trinity? When I saw the answer, you know, well, we can't really understand God. We really can't know God. 
the Trinity is a concept that is impossible for any human to fully understand, let alone explain, you have to admit, there's a lot of confusion there. Now, what I think is so dangerous about the Trinity is this. It enables a person to assume that because I believe in it, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I must have the Spirit of God. Natural assumption. I've gone down to the altar. I've given my hand to the preacher, heart to the Lord. And uh, I believe that God is a Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That means I have three you know, inside of me. Not so. Not so. It's sort of like a person, you know, a woman being half pregnant. It's no such thing. You either have the Spirit or you don't. When you look at God as a family, you realize in order to be born into that family, I must be begotten by the Spirit of God. That is a moment of conception. In other words, the Spirit of God is not like a Santa Claus that just, it's a gift, but it's not like a gift where Santa Claus comes along and says, here, here, have some spirit, more spirit, yeah, get you some spirit, you know. That's, that's not the way it works. There are conditions that have to be met to receive the Spirit of God. What are those conditions? Well, we know them. Acts 2 and verse 23, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift. And there it is, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there are conditions. Well, what's the condition? Well, repent and be baptized. Notice Acts 3 and verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So that includes the word, you know, not just repent, but converted, which means a turnaround. You turn away from your sins. Okay, I already covered that. You shall receive power after the Spirit comes upon you. Let's see, where am I at? Have I jumped ahead of myself? Okay, no, all right. Again, if there was ever a good definition of what the Spirit of God is, right here it is. The Spirit of God is power. Now, here's the bottom line when we talk about power. This is what you need. It's what we all need. You need God to light your fuse. <laughs> I mean, can I get an amen? <laughs> I mean, that's what we all, I mean, if you think about it, you know, what we need is for God to light your fuse. And, uh, okay, power. Uh, what the Spirit of God is. The Trinity. The Trinity is a closed system. Boxed up, or not boxed up, it's in a triangle. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The family of God is an open system. Consisting of Father and Son. And the Spirit, or power of God, that begets children. It's an open, in other words, that open system is going to be expanding. More and more, more children come into that system. It seems that, as a society, like with the Supreme Court decision, we are abandoning the worldview of creation. God created them male, female, and said, be fruitful and multiply. Now we have a, you know, a decision that says, well, gay marriages is okay. So we're abandoning that worldview of creation. Well, long ago, the church changed its theology from God is a family to God is a trinity. It's, it's something that actually is a part of history. And here we are now on the verge of abandoning the worldview of what constitutes a marriage. But long ago, we abandoned the, the change the theology from God as a family to God as a trinity. All right, I want to look at verses that people use to prove the trinity. This one, 1 John 5 and verse 7, For there are three that bear records in heaven, record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. 
uh, spirit, and these three are one. That's one of the scriptures that, you know, that, and that's in your King James. Clark's commentary says this on that scripture. It says, but it is likely this verse is not genuine. It is wanting in every manuscript of the epistles written before the invention of printing. It goes on to say it is wanting in both the Syriac, Arabic, Ethiopic, Coptic, it goes on to it, just etc. Many of the most ancient and correct manuscripts have it not. It is wanting, wanting also in all the ancient Greek fathers and most of the Latin. So these commentaries, that was Clark's. Gill's commentary says the same thing. Jamison, Fawcett, and Brown talks about this also. You can punch it in on a computer, the, uh, the authenticity of 1 John 5 and verse 7, and just see what you come up with. Uh, now you might say, well, how did this happen? Well, probably the same way the word Easter got into the King James. You know, King James is 1600 translation into English. By this time, I mean, it was heavily under the influence of the Catholic Church, the time of the, the writing, the, the translation. So that's probably how it got in there. Okay, here's a verse that, okay, one God, you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And, of course, the Trinity would say, you know, okay, one God, three distinctions, whatever. It could be saying Israel had a lot of false gods. It could be saying, one way to understand this, you know, compared to all those other false gods, there is one God. That could be one emphasis of it. But the way I understand the one God, that God is one family. He's one family right now consisting of two members. The Spirit is the power that those two beings have. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. So, I mean, it's really, it's easy to understand, okay, one, that God is a family, I and my Father are one. My wife signs my checks in my name. I never sign a check. We are one, <laughs> one family. If I were to introduce the Shaw family, that's one family, but you would see, you know, Mike, Janie, Charmin, James, it's four, four members in that family, but it's one family. God is a family, right now consisting of two members. So that's how, as far as, the, you know, the idea of, okay, just, just one God, I mean, that's, I understand it is that God is a family. <clears throat> God is a family. Another verse, which people often use, they sort of get hung up on this, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. You know, the word he, okay, the spirit is referred to as he, but that's, that's a common usage of, it's a personal, it's a personification, it's what it's called, when you take a, you know, a personal pronoun like, like he or she and you use it to describe something. It's common back then, but it's not so common in our language today, personification. But here's an example of personification. Wisdom cries without, she utters her voice in the streets, she cries in the chief places of concourse and the opening of the gates and in the city she utters her words saying how long you simple ones will you love simplicity well anyway wisdom is portrayed as a woman who has you know a woman walking up and down the street she's got a mouth she's talking she's crying out but if I say you have wisdom you all know what I'm talking about you know I'm not saying that you have a woman inside of you unless you're Bruce Jenner no, just kidding <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> you know you know what I'm saying all right, wisdom is personified as a woman. The Spirit of God is personified as He. We understand that. All right. All right, I'm going to close with a statement, though, that 
Some people would say, that's blasphemy, what you're saying. When God, those two members, knelt down in the dust of the earth and began to mold and shape a clay image, looked like man lying there, and of course breathed into its, its nostrils the spirit, or the breath of life, uh, let us create man in our image and our likeness, their intent at that point, point 6,000 years ago, was to expand their family, the God family, by millions. Some people would say, well, that's blasphemy. But I'm talking about the children. They are, they are children of God. And that's our awesome potential destiny to be children of God. And I believe that the Trinity, man, in a powerful way, blocks, number one, that concept, what God is doing through mankind. It's boxed up, and, you know, it's all, it's a closed system, the Trinity, whereas the family of God is open and it expands. Also, the downside of the Trinity is that the assumption that, well, because I believe this, I must have the Spirit of God because I believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Therefore, I must have that. Man, I mean, the trickery and deception of false teaching can be powerful upon people. And people don't even question it, really. They don't question what God is doing, what their destiny is. They're satisfied with one heavenly retirement. And they're satisfied with believing, well, look, I know I have the Spirit of God, and yet there's a way to receive it. And there's a way. It's not just freely tossed out to every person. There are conditions that have to be met. So, I will close there. <clears throat>